hey, hey, it is May, and that means that I am celebrating mom's big time over here at Mama Simpatico. Because Mother's Day is this month, I want to offer free mom life check-ins to both village members and non-village members. So if you could use a little live virtual support, connection, laughter, a place to shed a tear, or just to spend an hour with moms who get it, come hang out with me and fellow mamas. Head on over to mamasimpatico.com backslash momlifechecken, all one word, no hyphens, to sign up. I hope to see you there. Welcome to Mom School, where I help busy and stressed moms like you create a more joyful, balanced, and fulfilling mom life journey. My name is Lacey Newton, and as a mom of two and creator of Mama Simpatico, I understand the challenges of motherhood all too well. And through my own journey of discovery, I've learned the power of mindfulness in helping me move from surviving to thriving. I want to help you intentionally create a mom life that feels good and is aligned with who you are and who you are becoming. So join me on this journey to raise the tide of happiness and mom life for all of us mamas. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Have you ever been intrigued by someone on Instagram or Facebook touting their daily habits for whatever their thing is, like fitness, biohacking, or home organization? And then come to realize that they don't have kids and written their whole philosophy off as not manageable for you because you are a mom and live a mom life? Okay, so maybe it's just me, but I love learning from other moms. I know that they will offer me more than a four-hour morning routine to help me achieve my goals and give me simple solutions that will work into a family lifestyle. And when it comes to changing habits as a mom, this can be especially important. We are often emotionally, mentally, and physically drained from long days and long nights of doing everything. And habit change is hard for emotional, mental, and physiologically based reasons, for human reasons. Habit change is hard for humans and even harder when your energy and focus is stretched so thin as a mom. Just a reminder, the course this month is called Managing Mom Life with Mindfulness. We will be discussing and practicing the elements of mindfulness that, when we have them in place, will help us feel more joy and more like ourselves and make managing mom life a whole lot easier. I will be using the acronym SHINE, S-H-I-N-E, to help us remember the elements of living mindfully in mom life. S is for sit, H is for habits. I is for inner wisdom, N is for neighbor, and E is for education. Last week, we explored S for sit and discussed how to think flexibly about our formal mindfulness practice. And this week, we will be talking about the H, which stands for habits. We will discuss what habits are, how to change unhelpful habits and create new helpful ones, and discuss how this relates to managing mom life so that you can use habits to feel more like yourself. Don't worry about writing everything down. I've got some handy printables for you to download in the village. I want to start by sharing a story with you. This is called Autobiography in Five Short Chapters by Portia Nelson. Chapter 1. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find my way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. 
I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3 I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4 I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5 I walk down another street. I love this story because it feels so spot on. Habits are hard to change, and it's a human experience to struggle with doing the same old unhelpful things day after day. We will talk about why that is today. To begin, let's go over some of the basics of habits, and then we can get into the habits related to mindfulness and mom life. The very first thing I want to share with you is that we can have compassion for our own unwanted and unhelpful habits. The very first thing I want to share with you is that we can have compassion for our own unwanted and unhelpful habits. In fact, if this is the only thing that you take away from this episode, I would feel so happy for you because this is probably the biggest key to unlocking the habit loop cycle. We can have compassion for our own unwanted and unhelpful habits. That means that we can bring understanding to our habit because habits are part of the human experience and unwanted habits are typically part of how we cope with something confusing, challenging, or downright painful. And the fact that you have coped with something confusing, challenging, or painful is gold, my friend. You did it. You got through that hard thing by leaning on something that gave you comfort or met a need in the best way that you could for the time. So let's take a fairly clear example of this to illustrate it. Let's say Anna is about to give birth, and while she's in labor, she screams, blood-curdling screams of pain and fear. She is coping with something confusing, challenging, and painful. It might bring a release, bring comfort, or serve as communication to others that she needs something. And she's fine. She is coping with something big. Everyone understands, and so does she. But let's say Anna has the baby and goes home, and every time she encounters something confusing, challenging, or painful, like messy blowouts or being beyond tired, she lets out that same blood-curdling scream. After a while, it would have some unpleasant consequences. She'd scare her baby, her partner, and confuse others around her. And instead of those screams helping her get her needs met, they are now causing her problems. And while it is understandable that that coping worked once, it's no longer working to meet her needs. So now Anna needs to find something else to help her get her needs met. Okay, so this example is a little out there, but it does illustrate how we can bring understanding and compassion to our unwanted habits because they worked once and they're likely to repeat. And just a side note here, for the sake of semantics, I am really going to try to say unwanted and unhelpful habit because the tendency is to say bad habits and while maybe they're not the best habits to have or the ones that we want, they did help us in a certain place in time. So not bringing judgment to it can actually even help us change them. So what are habits? While All habits meet, or at least used to meet, a need. I am going to put habits into two categories for us. One, convenience habits. And two, 
coping habits. Convenience habits allow our brain to run more efficiently by running a habit in the background so we can put most of our mental energy on something new and more complex. For example, driving. When we began driving, we had to focus on driving the whole time, especially if we were learning to drive a stick shift. I might be dating myself here with that one, but after some time with driving, we can hold a conversation at the same time. The driving skills are a series of habits running in the background of our brains while we hold a conversation. Another example is how you organize your kitchen. When you get settled into your home, you put your cups in certain places and your pans in another, and it becomes a habit. It's convenient. This way, you don't have to go searching around the house for a butter knife every time you have to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Coping habits, on the other hand, allow us to manage confusing and emotionally intense situations. For example, when you call a friend to process a confusing thing that happened with your toddler, or when you give a presentation at work and you make a Freudian slip and spend the rest of the day criticizing yourself, or when you lose your temper with your kids. There are three parts to any habit. There's the cue, the routine, and the reward. Let's go through these three parts with those examples I just gave. The cue, your toddler has decided he will only eat white food and you are frustrated and confused. Routine, you call your friend to talk about it. Reward, you feel understood, like you're in good company and you have a plan. Okay, another example. The cue, you accidentally say underwear instead of umbrella in front of 30 people during a meeting at work. Routine, you mentally criticize yourself the rest of the day. Reward, you don't feel as embarrassed since now you just feel shame and you figure you won't do it again if you mentally beat yourself up enough. All right, our third example, cue, your kids haven't put their socks and shoes on even though you've asked repeatedly and now you're going to be late. Routine, you yell. Reward, your kids put on their shoes, but everyone does feel badly. Another note here, there is also a physiological component to the habit cycle that goes beyond the reward that we can observe in the environment. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter in the brain, and it's also known as the feel-good hormone. It plays a role in pleasure and motivation. When we have an unwanted habit, we are often not just experiencing the natural environmental rewards, but our dopamine level increases with our reward as well. How do we change unwanted habits? The most important part of changing unwanted habits is what I said before, and I'm going to say it again because it's that important. Have compassion for them because they have helped you through a tough moment at some point in the past. We cannot criticize or shame ourselves into our wanted habits. There has been a lot of research showing that the internal drill sergeant is completely ineffective. It shuts down the learning parts of the brain and turns on the parts that are responsible for managing stress. Think back to when you were in school. Which teachers did you want to perform for? The ones who yelled, criticized, and shamed you, or the ones who offered understanding while helping you rise to your potential? Once we agree to offer ourselves compassion for our unwanted habit, the next part is much easier. Observe the habit cycle. Watch your cue, hint, it's usually just before the urge or the craving, your routine, and your reward. Try to understand it like a scientist, and any time that judgment or shame comes up, 
gently redirect yourself back to the objective observation. You can also investigate the feelings and the needs that may be involved in both the cue part of the cycle and the reward part. Once you have a clear idea of your habit cycle, you can build in a helpful habit, a replacement habit. So how do we create helpful habits? Helpful habits can be built in to replace an unhelpful habit or as just a new practice. So this information will be helpful as you work to build in some new mindfulness-based habits as well. So start with defining a new habit or a new wanted habit cycle. Define your cue, define your routine, and your reward. I'll break this down for a wanted replacement habit and for a new wanted habit that wasn't replacing an unwanted habit. Okay, let's say that you want to break the habit of yelling at your kids about putting on socks. It's a tough situation because they end up doing what you ask and getting out the door when you yell, but no one feels good about it and you want to get out of the house and drop them off at school feeling connected. You take a moment and define your wanted habit cycle. So the cue, it's time to get in the car. So you decide to try to change your tone by singing the silly, putting on socks and shoes song you just made up, and putting your socks and shoes on alongside your kids after you wonder out loud who will get their socks and shoes on before the song ends. The reward, you hope, is that the kids get the socks and shoes on on time and you all laugh and feel connected as your day gets going. Then you try it out. You observe this cycle for a while, maybe a week or so and see how it goes. Does it actually achieve the reward you were looking for? If not, what can you do to switch the routine to make it work better? Maybe you try having the kids put socks and shoes on in the car. It is important to note that research is showing that it takes about 30 days for your brain to go back to a more baseline level of dopamine after refraining from doing something that was causing elevated dopamine levels as part of the reward. So if you're trying to stop the 4 p.m. chocolate routine, it will take about 30 days before your brain fully stops urging you to eat the chocolate for the dopamine rush. That also means there can be a dopamine low in the beginning. Research is showing that as good as an elevated level of dopamine makes us feel, the opposite low is also likely as you remove that dopamine trigger until the 30 days are up and you are more at a natural baseline. This is further reason for compassion and understanding as you attempt to adjust a routine or habit that has a reward associated with dopamine elevation. A couple more helpful tips to make habit change more effective. Track your habit change process. It is shown that we manage what we monitor, so write it down, log it in an app, or even put just a simple star on your planner. If you are in the village, you've got a 30-day habit tracker in there that you can print and it builds in all of these tips. Another tip is to find community. There are so many spaces, live or online, where you can be with people who have similar goals. If it's around managing mom life with mindfulness, the village has your back. If you're looking for a community around origami because you find it soothing and you'd rather do that than chocolate at 4 p.m., or maybe take improv comedy because you want to lighten up rather than feel so tense all the time, there are communities for that too. So have a comfort plan in place is another tip. 
New habits are hard enough under mellow life circumstances. And when life inevitably throws us a curveball and our stress is higher than normal, we are more likely to go back to an unwanted habit because we want comfort. Of course we do. It's human nature. Our old habits, even if we don't really want them, feel known. We know them. We know how they will make us feel. We can rely on them for comfort, for numbing, or distraction. So any successful habit change plan will have what I'm calling a backup comfort plan. This is something different from the new habit that you try before life stressors tempt you fully back into the old unwanted ways. For me, this is listening to my teacher, Elisha Goldstein's Dealing with Difficult Moments Meditation. I have a version of this on the Mama Simpatico meditation feed linked below. For some people, it might be time in nature, curling up in bed with a book, a nap, a hot shower, a call to a friend, an evening of Netflix, a long walk, or an hour to cry. Just developing some kind of plan to give yourself something extra comforting when an acute stressor arises. One last tip, have a commitment to self-kindness. Approach yourself with the loving kindness of an old friend. An old friend would want you to reach your goals, but they would encourage you and show you understanding for your challenges rather than berate you. There is plenty of research demonstrating that approaching ourselves with harshness doesn't work. It turns on our automatic stress responses and turns off our brain's learning centers. This means that we are even more likely to lean on automatic stress responses, like your old unwanted habits, because their programming pathways in our brains are so well established. So let's not stress ourselves out with the inner critic. If you notice your inner critic popping up, remember your commitment to kindness and give your focus to kind inner dialogue. Like an old friend, purposely think kind thoughts. An old friend might say things like, you can do this. It's hard, yes, and it will be worth it. Remember your why. This craving will pass. Let's watch and see or begin again. Okay, so we've talked about unwanted habits and how to create more wanted habits. And let's talk about how habits relate better to managing mom life with mindfulness. To answer this question, I'll highlight some possible habits of mindfulness that you can consider and some of their potential value in mom life. This is quite a list, so just listen to it with the expectation of understanding how habits can be built into your day and the potential benefit of them in your life as a mom. This is not a list that you should think that you have to accomplish all of these. It's just to give you an idea of how building in one small practice each day can have a ripple effect into positivity in mom life. Okay. The first mindfulness habits I would suggest you consider for mom life would be self-compassion. Make self-compassion a habit. We can bring self-compassion to the parts of the way that we show up as a mom that we don't care for. Everything feels better and more manageable with compassion. Understanding that we develop unhelpful coping routines and habits around mom life, like yelling or shutting down, just like we develop them around eating chocolate, shopping, or wine will give us incredible power to approach our daily actions and interactions in a way that feels congruent with who we want to be as a mom. Mom life can dredge up some really old, uncomfortable memories, coping patterns, and habits from our past. 
from like way before we were moms, like really, really old and triggering. And it might take facing some of that trauma to understand your coping mechanisms. So lean on the deep self-compassion journaling practice from the course on remedies. I'll link to it in the podcast below. And seek help from a professional therapist if you think it would be helpful. And rest assured, old memories and habits triggered by the challenges of mom life can be met with understanding and compassion. Lastly, we can only show others compassion to the degree that we show it to ourselves. So if developing more compassion toward your kids or your partner is important to you, start with yourself. Okay, the next habit, mindful moments. Looking for and spending more time in mindful moments to feel the power of choice and purposeful curation of your responses is another helpful mindfulness habit for mom life. A mindful moment is the space that happens right after something happens and right before you do something in reaction or response. So something in life triggers you, there's a tiny space or a big space, and then there's your response. Looking for and spending more time inside that gap between the two will help you if you want to purposefully cultivate experiences aligned to your values or parenting style. For example, if you value consent and want to make sure your kids are comfortable saying yes and no when they really mean it, a mindful moment before a hug or a tickle can point out your opportunity to ask them for permission and respect their answer. This will help you refrain from the old habits and give you space to choose your new ones. Okay, another helpful habit for moms is meditation. To help us develop our ability to see our situation clearly, train our minds in not following every thought that pops into our heads, and give us something to do for ourselves every day, we could have a habit of meditation. Developing a meditation practice might also be a good way to model self-care setting healthy boundaries, accepting your little one's emotions around your boundaries, and like we talked about in the last episode, doing something just for you every single day. All right, another practice you might consider making into a habit are pearls or practices in real life, which is a term I use here in mom school. One is presented in each podcast episode. You can collect them into your own little personal toolbox to use when you see fit. The next one is develop a consistent informal practice. It can be kind of fun or enjoyable to do the dishes or take a shower with an intention of staying present with the task at hand. When your mind wanders, gently and kindly bring it back to the task. Some places you could cultivate an informal practice are the shower or when you're doing dishes or when you're folding laundry. Anything that's kind of mundane, you could bring this practice to it and see what happens. The next habit you might consider is checking in on your emotional energy during and after interactions with your child. Observing this will help you act skillfully and strengthen and maintain your connection. The next one is taking joy breaks, giving yourself permission to play with your kids, be silly with them, or enjoy the story time that you do every night will help you find more comfortable emotions throughout your day and increase your connection and happiness. Joy breaks can also be not related to kids, um, like a moment alone in the kitchen with your partner or really enjoying a frozen yogurt after work by yourself. Okay, another habit could be savoring good moments. This is when you have a mindful moment of a good moment. 
In life and in mom life, there are good moments and developing a habit around looking for them and becoming mindful when they happen helps us to downshift our inherent negativity bias, bring moments of stress relief and increase day-to-day joy. Okay, another helpful habit could be not believing your thoughts. With mindfulness, we grow to understand that thoughts happen in our minds because minds think, like ears hear. But not all thoughts are based on current reality because many of them are about the past or the future, and many of them arise from unhelpful beliefs. Beliefs like, I'm not good enough, and my child is struggling, so I must be doing something wrong, or our life should look different, or many, many more. With mindfulness, we can learn to see the thought, but not chase it or hold on to it or push it away or feel the need to act as if it was true. All right, we have a couple more here. The next habit for you to consider is purposeful moments of rest and relaxation. There is so much value and benefit in giving our parasympathetic nervous system time to activate and help us regulate our nervous system. Building in regular slow exhale breaths or five minutes of purposeful relaxation daily can help us feel so much better. Another helpful habit could be skillful communication strategies like nonviolent communication. It's really amazing how much better tough situations go when we bring in strategies and stop relying on saying whatever pops into our heads. Handling conflicts and challenges with an approach like nonviolent communication or other skillful means will save us time, energy, and connection with the people we love, while also increasing the chances that we get our needs met. I'll link to the episode that talks about nonviolent communication in the show notes below. Okay, another practice or habit that might be helpful on a regular basis is trying to understand others before being understood. Thich Nhat Hanh says it beautifully, understanding is the source of love. Understanding is love itself. Understanding is another name for love, and love is another name for understanding. We will improve our connections to everyone when we try to understand them before being understood. But it can be hard to do, so we can understand that about ourselves. Hey, see what I just did? Just think of how good it feels when somebody really deeply understands you. It feels so good to be seen that deeply, which is probably where most of us get into the unwanted habit or unhelpful habit of trying to be understood before trying to understand. Okay, another helpful habit could be responding skillfully to your child's bids for connection. We can get busy and roll right past our kids' bids for closeness. Our relationship will be better if we can take a moment and respond mindfully rather than stay lost in our own thoughts or busyness. All right, one last mindfulness habit you might consider for mom life is normalizing emotions. When we think of emotions as part of the biggest life and accept our own emotions and our children's emotions, we are going a long way to help them grow up with a healthy relationship to emotions and coping with the inevitable struggles ahead in their futures. Okay, I really could probably keep going and I could probably do an episode on each of these, but I know you are busy, so I will call it here. I just shared a lot of info, but the takeaway from today can be simple. Have self-compassion for your unwanted habits and know that you can build a happier mom life 
through creating habits from small mindfulness practices one at a time. Hopefully you have a sense of the value of cultivating some habits of mindfulness and that they can help you manage mom life and feel more happiness. So as for the offerings for today, it's probably a lot to take this information in through one short podcast and turn it into a new practice. So while all the information here could be put to use for developing your own habit change program, I am not going to offer a habit change program as part of the Pearl, which is also known as a practice in real life, that is a little too big for a Pearl. So instead, I will offer a Pearl that is at the heart center of the habit change process. The mindful practice that you can begin to implement immediately is to observe your habit cycles. You can watch your unhelpful and helpful habits. This would mean noticing your cue for the routine, pausing, taking a mindful moment to consider that cue or trigger, also consider what you might be needing and feeling before that routine, and then again considering if your need is met at the end, is there a reward? by your need being met, and how you are feeling after the routine. Just watching and learning how this works for you. And one key piece to all of this is to not be hard on yourself during the observation phase. You are a scientist learning and experimenting. In science, there's no shaming or criticizing a flower for not blooming. There is understanding and investigating what conditions are needed for the flower to bloom and, in turn, offering them to the flower. A meditation that would go along with habit change is called a new wanted habit, and it's a visualization for creating a new habit. Printables. If you're a member of the village, you'll find some printables for this week. You'll find an unwanted habit observation form, a wanted habit plan, and a new habit encouragement mini poster. And of course, there's always extended show notes. So wrapping it all up, I hope you feel like it's okay to have compassion for unwanted habits and that you might understand more about the habit change process and how it works to develop new wanted habits and the value of intentionally creating small practices of mindfulness to become habits in your mom life and that they add up to more joy. Next week will be fun. We will be discussing more about the I in SHINE, which stands for Inner Wisdom. This is a juicy one, so be sure to check it out. And if you want to start some new mindfulness-based habits, come join us in the village where we hold each other gently accountable for reaching our own goals. We'd love to support you and feel your support for us as well. Thank you for sharing your time and your practice with me. May this practice be a benefit to you, your loved ones, and moms all over the world.